Welcome to another installment in our fairy tale mini series. Today we focus on some of your favorite storybook villains as seen through the eyes of Disney creators. You're listening to Two Monicas in a Microphone, a podcast about nothing serious, seriously. Monica, as I've mentioned for the past week, I am so pumped for today's show. Me too. It's very exciting. I really think a lot of people out there are going to like this one too. And it's keeping with our fairy tale and storybook theme for this mini series. I love it. There's nothing like a good fairy tale. Today, we are going to explore something that I think is super fun, and that is villains. But we're going to take a detailed look at them through the lens of Disney films. According to Disney's fandom wiki page, there are actually 11 primary villains and dozens and dozens of other villains. Now, those primary members range from the evil queen in Snow White to Captain Hook of Peter Pan and Dr. Facilier. Oh, French. Got it. And Dr. Facilier of The Princess and the Frog. In true to Monica's in a microphone fashion, I've created my own list according to what I've watched and what was memorable. The only other qualifier is that it can't be an animal. So like Scar in The Lion King or Shere Khan in Jungle Book. Well, okay. Maybe we can discuss whether or not Ursula is an animal. I would say that she is humanoid. And okay. But you know what's really funny about Scar and Shere Khan is that on this wiki fandom page, they belong to a subgroup of villains known as Sinister Cats. Oh, that's funny. It is. That Disney fandom is a thing of its own, and I love it. So that being said, today's episode is going to be a little more lighthearted than the origin story episode, but it's not going to be any less deep. So let's get to it. Monica, I really have to get something out of the way that has bothered me since I was a young child and may have given me a complex, probably. I don't know. And it's really intriguing because I wonder if you feel the same way. Why is Disney so obsessed with making virtually all female villains have green eyes and brunette hair? I never noticed that. Which is crazy because you have green eyes and brunette hair. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I am a supervillain. Maybe you are. Oh, oh, don't worry. Maybe you are. I'll get into that here in a minute. Of the five female villains we're going to explore today, four have green eyes and brunette hair. Dark hair, light skin, green eyes. That is the vision of evil. According to Disney. I feel attacked, don't you? Definitely. I didn't realize that my perfect genetic makeup would lead to such awful character traits. As a young girl, I do remember having a stigma about it. And I kept wondering why every time there's an evil character, it wasn't just Disney. It was even oh, my favorite character of She-Ra, Katra. She had brunette hair and green eyes. It was just awful. Okay. So maybe it's because you didn't also love Katra that you didn't see that as no. a repetitive pattern. 
I never eight. connected those dots. I will have to be fair to Disney because they do use the color green to symbolize evil in general. Monica, you know what I bet it is? That it's so rare that if you're born with green eyes, it must mean something. I think that that is a great hypothesis. And let's go down that rabbit hole right now. You know, that question prompted me to think of something. I was thinking the same thing, Monica, because I know that only 2% of the population has green eyes. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of it. And it just made me think, is it just Disney or is green a color associated with evil elsewhere? Ooh, Yeah. So I think that there is part of the elements that go into a villain that do have some history and origin in what people think of the color green and in particular green eyes. Have you ever heard of the green eyed monster? Oh yeah. Or the phrase green with envy. Absolutely. So a lot of people believe that that goes all the way back to Shakespeare, Othello, when he talks about the green eyed monster, he says, Oh, beware my Lord of jealousy. It is the green eyed monster, which doth mock the meat it feeds on. I never could understand Shakespeare. I'm going to need a translation. Maybe it really, he was inspired by Greek myth and in Cupid and Psyche's myth, it's all about Aphrodite and jealousy. Anyway, in the end, Cupid is overcome by jealousy and he turns into a monster with green eyes. Well, it seems like this is a lot more sinister than I even expected. It was just because green pops. Oh yes, green eyes do pop. And I know you and I both love that. However, I don't think that that is a contributing factor to why Cupid was described with green eyes when he became a jealous monster. The Greeks actually believed that jealousy occurred as the result of overproduction of bile. Which, oh my gosh. <laughs> which turned human skin slightly green. And I don't know what they were eating that there was such an overproduction of bile <laughs> that people were turning green and also being envious. So yeah, I see where that came from. So jealousy, while not particularly evil in nature, it's definitely a trait that most villains have. So I was thinking like you did, okay, green eyes, not a lot of people have them. That's probably why witches and other supernatural beings were always depicted with green eyes. Mm -hmm. Think about it. A lot of cats have green eyes and it was believed that witches could turn into black cats. That's a good point. You know what else I just thought of? What? One of my favorite hero villains, Elphaba. Oh, She's yeah. all green. Anyway. Yes. And that is a whole other rabbit hole it we is. can get down maybe in October that I stumbled across doing this. Very interesting why she may have been depicted as green. I think that because green eyes are so rare, and like you said, they really pop, especially on the brunette hair. Mm -hmm. I remember, now this happened as an adult, and I had worn purple eyeliner, and I was really into making my green eyes pop. Like it's one of my favorite things. I still like to do that now, but now I use copper. Anyway, I digress. I was at a pool party and this little girl runs up to me and I'm like, oh, how cute. Because I don't know if you have this, but I have little children run up to me all the time and say things, but no, anyway, I digress. No, they're this, they're like obsessed <laughs> with me. Anyway, this little girl runs up to me. I'm like, oh, what, you know, is she going to want me to help her with something to do with this pool party? And she looks at me and she goes, you have witch's eyes and runs away scared. 
She was probably six. Oh, poor thing. But maybe in her family or all the people she had come across, she hadn't seen eyes like mine before. And I think this plays into just people being naturally creeped out by green eyes because they're so rare. There must be a reason why you have them. Yes, because we're extra special. Absolutely. I can't wait to get to some some rabbit hole stuff I found here. But before I conclude with the, the biggest rabbit hole I found, um, there were some ancient thoughts on green eyes and medieval times. If you had green eyes, you were associated with envy and deceit, and you were especially prone to witchery and dark magic. I mean, of course, because you had weird green eyes like a cat. I mean, so now this whole thing, it really doesn't shock me that most of the Disney villains have green eyes and dark hair. <laughs> right. It's just making a lot of sense now. And yeah. even, I mean, I'm like, okay, I don't feel so attacked. But early Islamic scholars even wrote that green eyed individuals were cursed or unnatural, often acting with ill intent. So I now feel attacked because throughout history. (laughs) Throughout history, Monica, no. Let me read to you what this weirdo on the internet said. Oh, I love weirdos on the internet. Oh, yeah. Weirdos (laughs) on the internet are the best. It's so bad. Here we go. It's a deliberate and sinister conspiracy that's been centuries in the works. Ancient scholars didn't say light irises were prone to the evil eye for nothing, did they? The Assyrians, early Islamic scholars, European witch hunters, Shakespeare, they were all trying to warn us. The green-eyed monster has spread its wings over a nation that was once the bastion of freedom and democracy, and we're too blind to see it. This is in an article where he relates how many people have green eyes in Hollywood politics. So we're only 2% of the population, yet we basically control everything. That is what he is saying. (laughs) He said that finally we have shed having blue-eyed people do our dirty work, and now the green-eyed people have stepped in, which is kind of crazy, right? But then someone comments on it and says this. I just found this post by searching for a correlation between green eyes and witchcraft. It seems I am unwillingly mixed up in some mystery that is connected to our current world events. I have had certain people enter my life in the past several years that are attempting to influence me with a hidden agenda, and they all have green eyes. There concludes my rabbit hole. I couldn't find a clear answer in the short amount of time we have to explore Disney villain eye color. So I just want to share my hypothesis. And it's kind of your hypothesis. You know, historically, it has come about that green eyes are a little creepy. And that's fine. And they're associated with jealousy. But I think the very first instance of evil for Disney is in Snow White. And so they wanted to go with that really, really obvious theme of jealousy, right? The queen is so jealous and that drives her. Yes. 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 The green is the embodiment of the jealousy and it's portrayed in the eyes. They didn't paint her all the way green. No, they did not. And they actually used the color green throughout the entire movie. And then from almost every single movie on, including recent ones, to portray evil. So there might be a green mist. There might be a green fire. There might be a green potion or there might be green eyes. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I have one of my favorite characters that we're going to talk about, and I will tell you what is green about her. When we get there, you definitely have to make note of what is green about her because I really love this concept in Disney. So Monica, green is definitely a commonality between the villains, but there's also another commonality, Mm -hmm. and that's the fact that women are definitely more of the bad guys. I would agree. Like, why is that? 
you know, I've thought about that because when I was trying to figure out who had green eyes, who didn't, men, women, I, I did do some numbers on here and I realized, you know, there's some more women. <laughs> so the majority of the bad guys are really women. And mm -hmm. that's kind of weird because in real life, from a true crime standpoint, that's not the case. Thankfully, Disney is not doing, you know, serial killer princesses. True crime, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> true, true crime. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be very interesting. So I think that it would spark this question. Does Disney just want to vilify women? And I'd, I'd like to take a, a turn answering that. And I'd say, no, I, I don't really think it would be anything sinister like that. I just, I think it's something else entirely other than their retelling stories that they didn't make up. <laughs> right? right. So to attribute a sinister thought like that to something that is a retelling seems a little silly, but I really did want to think about it a little bit because I know they've added in villains. So what I noticed and have picked up on is that male villains tend to not attack the princess singularly. So when there is a male villain, they're usually at odds with both the prince and the princess. They want the whole package. I think that it would be harder to accept if Jafar was solely picking on Jasmine and there was no Aladdin counterpart. We have no instance where a man only picks on the woman. And I wonder if that doesn't come into play. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it right now, it seems to me that when it's a male villain, the goal is not just the woman. It's really the whole kingdom. Whereas yes. if it's a female villain, she really just wants to get rid of the chick. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of jealousy there, whereas the jealousy doesn't seem to transfer or even come into play when it is the male. They're usually more ambition and pride. Yes. I would agree. I just thought that was really interesting. And I think a lot of people like to just forget that all of the Disney stories took place before Disney got a hold of them. There's a lot to these stories that, that are actually created by medieval minds, Victorian minds, and not so much contemporary minds. And I do think that that is a little bit of a reflection on life. Not to say that men can't pick on women, but a lot of, and I can tell you this from having a daughter in middle school and being a middle schooler once upon a time, is that there is a lot of jealousy involved in the traditional female and female relationships yes. in society. Yes. Girls are mean. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's an entire movie called Mean Girls. Hey, parent friends. Monica and I want to take a break and ask you a few questions. Do you struggle to get your children to listen? Uh-huh. Do you desire your home to be a place of peace, not stress? Yes. Do you feel like everyone else has it figured out but you? Who doesn't feel this way? I don't know because I definitely feel this way at least once a week. But Monica, we're not here to talk about another episode. We're here to tell our friends about a great resource, Kristen Schmoke Parent Coach. She does live online coaching for overwhelmed parents who are looking to create harmony in the home. I've read her reviews and she's incredible. Monica, you've used her before, right? I have. You and I have laughed together over the last 18 months about my struggles as a parent of two small kids. 
It felt like I had been underwater for a couple of years dealing with their emotions when Kristen came back into my life. I had no idea I was doing things backwards by trying to teach them to calm down in the middle of a meltdown. So the next time I became frustrated, I reached out to her. She's so calm and reassuring and really knows a lot about communication and kids, thanks to her training as an early education teacher and as a mom of four herself. During our session, she helped me understand the behavior I found frustrating was probably just a reaction to all the change we had in 2021. I took her advice, took a deep breath, and didn't focus on the behavior, and our issue is improving. That's incredible. I love it. I don't know if you know this, but I've reached out to Kristen before as well when I've needed help with Lillian's middle school drama, and she's been amazing. Friends, if you'd like to check out what Kristen has to offer and learn more about her coaching and how it can improve your family life, please go to kristenschmokecoaching.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-S-C-H-M-O-K-E coaching.com. You can also find the link in this episode's notes. Check out her reviews and book a free coaching call and start becoming the parent you've always wanted to be. Now back to the show. A lot of what we are going to be talking about today is definitely the women. And that takes us to our next segment, which is exploring stepmother and mother figures in Disney villains. My mom, when I was growing up, say, don't make me be mummy dearest, you know, because the movie mummy dearest. No, it's a terrible movie. But that's what I think of now when I think of stepmothers. And then Disney just reinforces it, right? Oh, for sure. I know I said that this would be a lighter episode, but this stepmother mother thing, is there really anything more sinister than an adult in charge of a child? And then that person trying to oppress, abuse, or even worse, kill the child in their charge? From a true crime perspective, no, there is nothing more evil. Yeah. So to me, these are the creepiest villains by far that we will talk about today. Far creepier than any of them that can cast a spell, even though some of them can't. The double whammy right there. The double whammy. Well, the first one we're going to get into is the most iconic. In fact, she was once voted the 10th greatest movie villain of all time by the American Film Institute. That's crazy. Yeah. And that would be the evil queen from Snow White. Now, would you like to guess what her eye color was? Oh, let me take a guess. <laughs> Green? Yeah. So, what did she do that was so bad? Because it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. So each one of these villains has definitely had their horrific deeds. Well, let's start with the fact that she wants to cut out the heart of her stepdaughter so that she can remain the fairest of them all. Which I think is really interesting because later when it's her turn to try to kill Snow White, she just puts her into a coma. Well, she, you know, didn't want to get bloody. Yeah, because that would be gross. So she wanted someone else to cut out the heart. I mean, that sounds like a very female thing to do. Pay someone else to do your dirty work. (laughs) (laughs) She also had all those skeletons in her dungeon. I don't remember that. So I think that was just a way for them to show how cruel she was. It wasn't just that they were skeletons. They were still chained to the wall. I mean, just clearly, I think that that's pretty heinous. Yeah. We don't really have to go into a lot of deeds. It's just her one deed was a pretty big deal. Whereas I feel like some other villains have multiple deeds that equate to her, which is why she's one of the worst villains because she wanted to do one of the worst 
first things. When it comes to stories, people like to see justice, especially in this type of story. Yes, I like it wrapped up in a nice bow. So let's talk a little bit about the defeat and punishment of the evil queen. So the way she meets her demise is that the dwarfs chase her to a cliff's edge, but then it's not them, but a bolt of lightning strikes and causes her to fall to her death. And just in case we weren't sure that she was dead, a giant boulder falls and crushes her further. (laughs) Well, there's closure (laughs) for you. What I think is really interesting about this one is that a person didn't lay hands on her. While the dwarfs chase her to the end, it's a bolt of lightning that causes her to fall to her death. Poetic justice. Because she was trying to manipulate nature in order to stay the fairest. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love the way that you put it. I hadn't even thought about that. The next evil stepmother, or as many know her wicked stepmother, Lady Tremaine of Cinderella. You know, I didn't actually ever know her name because she was just always the the wicked stepmother. I don't know when she gets her name. It's probably in a sequel or it could be in the development. There's so much when you look into these deleted scenes, Mm -hmm. original designs that never make it to the end. So it could be in there too. But I love that she had the name Lady Tremaine. Just sounds cruel. Super extra creepy. Yeah. And she is super extra creepy because she's not magical. She's just cruel. And what I think is kind of funny is she's not actually listed in that original primary villains franchise that I mentioned earlier, which to me is like, what? Hello? She's awful. It's not just that she's awful, but she also entices and gets her daughters to be awful as well. Oh, yeah. It's so gross. Do you know what eye color she has? Gray. (laughs) You know it was green. Now, I can't say for sure that she's a brunette, but the way they make her gray reminds me of how a brunette grays. But her eye color is green, right? It is green, definitely green. And I think that that is a reflection of the extreme jealousy, obviously. So, and then her little cat, Lucifer, which good grief with that name. Lucifer. um, (laughs) He has green eyes as well. He does, doesn't he? Oh. Oh, yeah. I think she had so many things that she did bad. She treated Cinderella as a servant, which, of course, is bad. And not just because she made her do chores, but it was more that she didn't allow her to be part of the family. And that, I think, is the bigger deal. She made her go in the attic, made her wear rags, treated her as a different type of person than her own daughter's. And let's not forget how Lady Tremaine came to live in a house. She married Cinderella's father. So if anyone should be put in a position where, you know, they're treated as an equal, it should have been Cinderella. And you mentioned the stepsisters earlier. Well, she not only allowed, but if you watch the scene, she instigated those girls shredding her mother's dress. Oh, sorry. It's very traumatic to me. That whole scene. No. Those stepsisters are just awful. They are. But I would like to note that Lady Tremaine isn't a good mother either. She expects her daughters to be utterly obedient and she gets really upset with them when they aren't. If you watch that, she is cruel to them in a different way. Mm -hmm. And she just wants to use them to move up in social status. They're just her pawns. Yeah. they. I mean, they they really are. (laughs) They take singing lessons when neither of them can sing. So yeah, Lady Tremaine. She's just all about punishing and abusing Cinderella psychologically, which is 
very different than some of the others. So like the evil queen who we just talked about, no, she wants to kill Snow White, but Lady Tremaine would rather just psychologically abuse a poor girl. What's kind of funny is she uses her daughters as pawns. But it's like, you could have used Cinderella to gain social status as well, you ding dong. Right. Uh, But that would be her jealousy blinding her, I think. Monica, do you remember what happens as far as her demise or if she got punished at all? I don't think she gets punished. I think Cinderella ends up fitting the glass slipper on her foot and the prince automatically knows that she's the one. There's really no punishment. Right. Or... It's left open-ended, so you might be thinking, well, Cinderella is so sweet and so kind. Maybe she still allowed them to come to the palace. Or it can be like the old origin stories of Cinderella, and she had to dance with hot shoes till she went to hell. We don't know. I mean, I'm sure we know if we see like Cinderella, Twist in Time or whatever. Sorry, everyone. I'm pretending that those sequels don't exist. Yeah, sometimes sequels are a terrible idea. Really interesting to know about Lady Tremaine is that she was actually the first villain to live side by side with the victim. And that wouldn't change until we get to our next mother figure, Mother Gothel. Well, Mother Gothel is another green-eyed villain. Yes. Go figure. She is, oh, she's one of the worst to me. I mean, we know the truth. We know she's an evil witch, but just think of Rapunzel. She thinks that's her mom. She does. And she she's being forced to live in a tower with her long, luxurious, magical hair. Yeah, and this Mother Gothel character, which was weird that she's called Mother Gothel, makes it even creepier that they named her that. Um, She, like, hoards this magical flower and then kidnaps the baby. I mean, there is no good trait about this woman. Then she, like, makes this baby believe that she's her mother. And, And then, as we know from the story, Rapunzel can't leave. And I know you've seen it a lot. I love this one. Like I watched this one on my own. I picked it up as an adult and just fell in love with it. But do you get creeped out like when she's brushing her hair and then she's clearly singing to the girl's hair, but Rapunzel yes. feels like she loves her? Yes. Oh, it's it's awful. Mother Gothel, she just wanted to remain youthful forever. Who does that remind you of? Uh, every woman? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. But villains. Yeah. <laughs> villains. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, definitely reminds me of the original iconic The Evil Queen. Yes. Now, we have to explore that Mother Knows Best song. I've got a mother few of the lyrics best. here. Listen to your mother. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're going to break down some of the lyrics if you want to to sing them, go ahead, but I've got them right here. Why don't you share that first stanza? And this is not the first stanza of the song, but I took the most wicked part of the song. Yes, so I I happen to love that song once again, because it reminds me of Mummy Dearest, but in a cartoon version. Go ahead and leave me, I deserve it. Let me die here, be my guest. When it's too late, you'll see, just wait. Mother knows best. See, if that's not a guilt trip, I don't know what is. So she goes on to sing, Mother knows best, take it from your mumsy. On your own, you won't survive. Then look at this next thing she says, Monica, I want you to tell us. 
Floppy, underdressed, immature, and clumsy. Please, they'll eat you up alive. Gullible, naive, positively grubby, ditzy, and a bit, well, um, vague. Wow. Awful. Awful. Then let's end it with, plus, I believe, getting kind of chubby. I'm just saying, because I love you. I think I only ever listened to the intro part. Oh, that getting kind of chubby part? I remember hearing that being like, oh, see, I've told you I've had a hard problem with this woman. Now, I would like for everyone to know my mother is nothing like this woman. I'm not having some sort of PTSD. It makes my heart sad because I have friends whose mothers have said these things to them. Yeah, and it's just gross. So I think that whoever wrote this, maybe they were, maybe they were taking from a bit of experience or shared experience. Right. And then later she goes on once, you know, Rapunzel finds Flynn Rider or as we know, you know, Eugene. Eugene. Yeah. Um, But then uh, Mother Gothel tries to make Rapunzel believe that Flynn Rider has betrayed her. Oh, that's just such a sad scene. It is. But we all know how it ends, right? Yes. Rapunzel and Flynn are reunited and Rapunzel realizes that she's actually the princess and is reunited with her family. And the only reason that could happen is because when Eugene was dying and he needed Rapunzel's hair mm-hmm. to live, he snaps it off with the scissors and then Mother Gothel shrivels into dust as she falls out the window. I love that. I do too. Ha ha. Oh, sorry. I kind of would have liked it better personally if we could write alternative endings is not that she immediately shriveled to dust, but that if she she would have just shriveled and had to live in that decayed body for a while. Right. Like the Princess Bride version of the pain. Yes. Like that. I don't know why anyone didn't consult us. There's still time, Monica. There's still time. <laughs> Don't let Samson in really fast. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he wasn't. Okay, go ahead. All right. Where are we? Many of the villains that we've already looked at have some sort of magical element. And that brings us to the witches and the warlocks of the villain world. And the first one that we're going to look at, I know, is your favorite. She definitely is. Ursula, the sea witch. Now, why is she your favorite? I want to know. I don't know. I think it has to do with, like, the song Body Language. And, you know, she's, like, putting on lipstick and she's trying (laughs) to look good. Yeah, she definitely has no problems with body image. Meanwhile, she has her whole little graveyard of poor merpeople who could not fulfill their end of the bargain. And so now she owns their body, soul. I I don't exactly know. I exactly understand what she owns of them or how that benefits her. You know, it's kind of like a mobster, right? You can't just let someone run off without paying you. True. She has to like take something in return. What is her eye color? So she has, I'm looking here on a picture. She has like gray eyes, but her eye shadow is green. It's like yes. a turquoise green and red lips. Oh yeah, right that she there. puts on with those little, aren't they little sea animals? And then she I like- I think like maybe a shrimp or something. Yes, I'm always like, oh, she's just, oh. No, so she's one of my favorites. She makes a great villain because the deal that she makes seems so affordable. Absolutely. Until she realizes she's going to lose the deal mm-hmm. and then she gets involved. 
Yes, and I like that Ursula doesn't just make this deal. She goes in and becomes that brunette. She probably has green eyes. Yeah, <laughs> let me look that up too. <laughs> I think she does. She's a brunette with green eyes. No. In her human, in her human In form. her human form, dude, yeah. look that up. We have to know. Um, no, it does not look like she has green eyes. She has like violet eyes. Oh, okay, good, good. Right. Well, I'm yeah, glad she's got that she's eyes. just a brunette. <laughs> oh, we're safe. We're safe we're for safe. another yeah. fairy tale. <laughs> well, you know, what What doesn't she do to sabotage, right? She sends her flotsam and jetsam mm-hmm. to tip over the Oh, canoe. yes, while they're um, about to kiss. I love yes. that scene. So cute and then so destructive. And finally, she turns into this huge, horrible octopus. Oh, I am sorry, but that is one of the scariest cartoon scenes is when she, like, is gigantic and then she crawls with her arms and she doesn't have to use her arms. She could use her tentacles and she, like, crawls like a creepy zombinoid beast, like, <laughs> across the ship deck and I was like oh gross creepo and it is a cartoon it's like it takes a lot for a cartoon to be creepy I don't think that scene ever impacted me honestly I was more impacted by the sleeping beauty scene with Maleficent I thought like where you're the prince is riding through all those brambles and yeah yeah, yeah. I love that um love but that no scene. Ursula eventually she I cannot imagine that explosion. Okay. It's gross. Prince Eric like rams this huge Mm -hmm. like part of the boat through her. And then she like blows up and, you know, all of her scattered mass of entrails. Pretty gross. It is gross, but it is a cartoon, thankfully. I wonder if the live action one's going to have that in it. Yeah, no, that would be really disgusting. Yeah. She is one of my more favorite villains because she's pretty unapologetic and almost proud and knows she's the villain. Yeah, And I think that that's an element that we don't even see in the evil queen. The evil queen probably thinks that she's entitled and justified in what she's doing. Well, you know, going back to your point before about how if it's a male villain, they go after both parties. Yeah. Right? Well, here she is kind of doing that because she yeah. wants Triton's kingdom. You're right. You're so right. she's going after the Little Mermaid to get to her father. She's playing 3D chess. And it's probably why she doesn't have green eyes is because she's not led by jealousy. Mm. Why would she need to be jealous of Ariel when she could just take what Ariel has? Right. So I would see why you really, really like her a lot and why she's your favorite because she also has a lot of developed personality the evil queen is just running around doing evil things and then i think it would be really hard to like mother gothel because she's needs to be locked up in a mental institution or prison (laughs) well let's let's talk about jafar He's another one with like mystical qualities right Mm -hmm. he has his ability to hypnotize Yes, he hypnotizes the Sultan. He tries to kill Aladdin. He is a gross pervert, in my he opinion. Totally. With Jasmine. Is. Do totally. you remember that scene? This is one of my uh, favorite movies when I was a teenager. So the amount of times I've seen Aladdin is intense. But um, when he takes his long, spindly fingers like over the top of Jasmine and like almost touches her cleavage, it's <gasps> so gross. And he oh. talks about like marrying her. Yeah. And he then wants to marry her so he can have the kingdom. Yes, which is icky and then later when he has her in that like 
Princess Leia from Star Wars style bikini, I swear. And she's like stuck in the hourglass. I remember. Yeah, I remember. he dressed her like up. that. It Girls. was really not that much different than what she was wearing before. There was a I, lot of midriff showing. Absolutely. But let's see, was it different? Okay. <laughs> I just want to look. Oh, you know, the difference is she tries to seduce him when she has this on. Oh, that is the difference because she wants out. The difference in the red in the blue outfit is that the red outfit has no sleeves at all. And the blue okay. outfit has some sleeves. But yeah, a lot of midriff showing uh, for a princess. I'm surprised my mother allowed me to watch it. I never thought about her midriff until now I'm a mom. So I think that he's like what you said. He's the typical male villain. He wants to rule the world. Mm -hmm. And Aladdin and Jasmine are just in his way. I mean, he was at least smart at one point and saw how Jasmine could help him in that quest. Unlike, I think, how Lady Tremaine totally missed the boat on using right. Cinderella. I mean, I'm just saying if you want to be a gross villain. Well, because the, the whole idea is that in the beginning, the Sultan is telling Jasmine that she has to get married. Yes. Right? She doesn't have a choice. So no. if she has to get married, of course, Jafar can insert himself into that spot and then he gets everything. Yeah. And they'll probably just murder her anyway. I don't think anything too icky was going to happen. No, just a little murder. That's all. Yeah, it's not too icky. <laughs> In the end, though, he gets, I think, one of the best plays done on a villain. And he goes from being this really, really all-powerful sorcerer mm -hmm. to being tricked by Aladdin into becoming a genie. Best trick ever. Oh, it was. And I love it when he's like, unlimited power! Itty living space. The next witch or warlock would be Maleficent. And we're actually not going to go into her really because we're going to do another episode and Monica is putting that one together and I'm really excited about it, but where we explore fairies in fairy tales. But we are going to mention Maleficent today just to note that she has green eyes and brunette hair. That's too <gasps> funny. Well, so now we have another, he's more of a warlock mm -hmm. coming up from one of Sienna's other favorite fairy tales, which is The Princess and the Frog. If you don't know much about Princess and the Frog, it's set in the Roaring Twenties, and the heroine lead character, Tiana, is saving money to open up a restaurant. Oh, that's just so commendable and cute. Yeah. So she's saving up all this money. Meanwhile, her best friend, Charlotte, is very wealthy and wants to marry a prince, Prince Naveen. So Prince Naveen, Dr. Facilier, is also known as the Shadow Man. Ooh, creepy. Right. So this is how he's a warlock. He has a voodoo shop. Ah. Yes. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So the Shadow Man takes advantage of Prince Naveen's gullibility and turns him into a frog so that he can use a magical talisman to trick Charlotte into marrying him. Ew, it's creepy right. Jafar-like. It is very <laughs> creepy Jafar-like because like I just said, Charlotte's family is really wealthy. Meanwhile, Tiana gets turned into a frog also and meets up with this other cute little frog. And guess what? Everybody talks, everybody plays music. There's a cute little alligator. I don't know, <laughs> I like the alligator. He plays the trumpet. So what um, does the, uh, the doctor, the witch doctor, do to these frogs? I mean, why is he so awful that he gets a spot in the primary villains? 
Well, he he basically is just trying to take over someone else's appearance. Ew. The only way out is if Tiana and Naveen actually get together because she has to kiss a frog, which she said she would never kiss a frog. That's so I funny. will never kiss a frog. Dr. Facilier or the Shadow Man eventually gets his due because Tiana and Prince Naveen do get together and Smoochie, and he gets returned back to his crypt into a Shadow Man instead of a walking person. So he definitely gets punished. Yes, he gets his comeuppance. We've touched a little bit, I feel like, on this next topic, this next category of villain. I think every one of the villains has this, but these two have it more than anyone else. And I will just call them ego maniacs. <laughs> hey friends. This concludes part one of Villains. You're going to need to tune in to part two where we talk about egomaniacs, henchmen, animals, and an honorable mention. See you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. Don't forget to subscribe or follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you're loving it, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram at 2MonicasPodcast. That's with the number two. Access extended show notes and more at our website, 2MonicasPodcast.com. Love this episode? Hit that share button and send to a friend who'd like it too. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of 2 Monicas in a Microphone. Awesome. That was fun. Music credits for this episode. Blockbuster Atmosphere 6 by Sasha Ande. Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Kevin McLea.